Hey, traders. Who wants to paint some candles with me? I'm ready to get into this fat game, bro. One thing I'll tell you. What color is here? Green, baby. We're going green in the SPAC land. Let's go ahead and start. Don't miss your free chance to tune into Benzinga's very own bootcamp series on November 20th. If you're looking to dive into new concepts and grow your account, this one's for you. How's my little trees doing? Let me bring in the best tree I have grown. My man, Chrysopedia. What's going on, Bob? Uh, yeah, uh, we, we've been gone the last two days. Um, so it's always exciting, right, to come back because there's so much to talk about, so much news. We've got an interesting uh, company today for our interview that I really want to hear more about. Um, it's Friday, which as you guys know, if you've watched the show, Fridays are more casual day, right? So we'll hopefully get to some ticker time later on in the show um so sit back and you know relax it's uh it's spax attack time all right now i have been having some mic issues today so i will ask the chat do you guys hear me like okay or i i, I did see someone mention i might have to come back i've had to restart my computer multiple times today i don't know what's going on so if you guys hear me with the deep voice let me know because I will have to restart and leave Chris here. Um, but let's go ahead. Let's get started. Let's pull the Bob Ross off. All right. I want to keep the, the, the Afro going here. I like the fro, but the beard has got to go. All right. I'll keep the fro on, though. How's that? Looking good. Looking good. What can I say, guys? Let's get this party started. Let's go ahead. Let's get into some headlines. A lot of specs moving out there. I have some of my own that I've been watching. And, hey, if you don't believe the SPACs are back, well, I mean, you probably haven't been watching these moves lately. So let's go ahead. Let's get into those headlines. Chris, please inform us because all this hair is getting to my head, and I just don't know what's going on out there. So that's why I come to my man to let us know. Take us back to those headlines. All right, guys. Yeah, a lot to get to on headlines today. Uh, up first, we have MOTN. So this is Motion Acquisition Corp. So the company is merging with .go. They reported that they secured new contracts today. No terms were disclosed. But again, this company continues to expand. Uh, earlier this week, uh, they reported third quarter revenue of $81 million, which was up 200% year over year. They also said that they're rolling out a series of major initiatives and joint partnerships. And they see revenue hitting $260 million for fiscal 2021. So if you didn't know, .go is like an, uh, it used to be called ambulance with a Z. It is a, you know, on-demand uh, medical service company. They operate in 26 U.S. markets and the United Kingdom. They have license applications pending in an additional 14 states. So 26 plus 14 would bring them up to 40 states covering, you know, the majority of the U.S. states. So MOTN, definitely one to watch here. And then turning to uh, more earnings, we have Betterware de Mexico, uh, BWMX. Company reported third quarter earnings today. So uh, revenue is up 4% year over year. They did say that they had several headwinds in the quarter. 
um, but that they're progressing, uh, you know, forward. And they actually have some exciting things. I don't want to talk too much about this company today because actually Betterware de Mexico will be joining Power Hour today coming up after this show for an interview. If you remember, they were on our show a couple months ago. They will be talking all about that third quarter earnings report and then also about, you know, some new company initiatives moving forward. Uh, remember that this is one of the better performing SPACs of the last year prior to today's dip. They also pay out a dividend. So BWMX, definitely one to watch. Then we have Wallbox, WBX. So Wallbox, which was one of the high flyers earlier this week, they announced that they will provide a business update on Thursday, November 4th. I'm going to talk a little bit about the calendar later, some SPACs to watch next week, but keep that on your radar. Wallbox, an update next week, electric vehicle charging company um, that has been hot all week. And then speaking of electric vehicle stocks that have been hot, we have Lucid, LCID, which we'll, of course, take a look at when we cover our watch list. This is the number one trending stock on StockTwits today. It has started getting mentioned heavily on Wall Street Bets. So the company will have their first deliveries tomorrow of the Lucid Air, October 30th. There was also news that Saudi Arabia is considering a manufacturing facility. Shouldn't come as a big surprise since that country's investment fund is a big investor in Lucid. And then also they announced that they will report third quarter earnings on Monday, November 15th. So less than two weeks after that first delivery, we will get earnings from Lucid. So I expect to hear lots of updates on how reservations and deliveries are going. So definitely something to watch. Yesterday, we had the presentation from Facebook, Facebook Connect, talking about augmented reality, virtual reality. And of course, if you did not hear yet, the company changed its name uh, to um, Meta, right? New ticker will be MVRS. Meta is the new company. So yesterday, uh, we saw lots of AR and VR names get a jump on the news from Facebook. And one of those companies that got a little bit of a lift yesterday, but is starting to take off today is Matterport. So Matterport was on our show a couple months ago. Um, we actually got some exclusive headlines for our Benzinga Pro users. Again, if you're not using Benzinga Pro, you are missing out. Pro.Benzinga.com for a free trial. Those headlines we had out this morning. The company said, I like to think that by digitizing the built world, Matterport is creating the metaverse. So there you have the metaverse connection. They also said that their models are optimized for Facebook's Oculus Quest using virtual reality mode in the Matterport platform. Um, and then they also highlighted that they announced a collaboration with Facebook earlier this year. So the company is saying our collaboration with Facebook is with their AI research in or organization. Um, so again, Matterport MTTR could be a play here on AR, VR, and the Facebook name change. I'm seeing shares up 10% today now. Um, so definitely keep this one on watch. The other uh, related SPAC to Facebook's news yesterday was MPAC. Um, shares hit over $11 in a short lift. Warrants were up triple digits. Shares were actually halted. So MPAC is bringing multi-metaverse public. 
Um, this is a small company, and I will note that there is not a lot uh, known about multi-metaverse. No presentation came out with this SPAC deal, um, but this was the only metaverse name that popped up in a search of SPACs, uh, so keep that in mind. We have MP Materials MP. I talked about this earlier this week, right? Company was targeted with a short report. And MP's response, they said that they report third quarter earnings after close on November 4th and look forward to updating all of their shareholders on the state of their business and industry. So again, I'll, I'll hit on next week's events later on, but MP definitely on watch. They have that earnings next week. They're going to have their rebuttal to the short report. Um, and I also want to note uh, that with that short report, I actually saw on Twitter, several uh, Twitter users shared the short report with the hashtag ad, as in Grizzly Research actually paid um, to promote that short report on Twitter with some uh, uh, FinTwit users. So that's an interesting tactic. Um, so something to keep in mind with MP. And then turning to votes, MCMJ, which is merging with Leafly. Uh, they voted this morning to approve the extension. So MCMJ shares were also trading higher today on that news. Um, we're up about 4%. This one's gotten a lot of attention this week, uh, going from 10 um, to close to or over 11, I believe. Um, you know, So keep this one in mind. Uh, we talked about this one at the cannabis conference, right? This is a cannabis play, a thing behind the thing for the cannabis industry. Then MCAD approved their merger with Better Therapeutics. We'll trade as BTTX today. Uh, TMTS approved their merger with NextNav, new ticker NN today. This would be the uh, high redemption, low float one to watch as 17.4 million shares were redeemed, 87% of the shares. Um, so keep an eye on NN, new ticker today. And TDAC was approved their merger with Lottery.com, the new ticker LTRY next week. This is one I've called out a lot, right? It's a low floater already. And also have to note, 20.9 thousand shares were redeemed despite shares trading over $14. So someone missed out on some big profits in this by not understanding the redemption process of a SPAC. And then we got a couple of votes set, F-O-R-E. On uh, November 8th with P3 Health Partners, uh, DDMX on November 18th with Codere, and THMA on November 23rd with Pair Therapeutics. And then turning to our one deal, this one was announced uh, last night after market closed, TWNT, uh, satellite company Taran Orbital is going public, valued at $1.58 billion dollars. Pipe includes an investment from Lockheed Martin. That's always a key here on these space and satellite plays. So Turan is a leader in small satellites. They're a key supplier for the military, intelligence community, community and civil and commercial customers. They said that they're the largest independently owned manufacturer of small satellites in the U.S. They plan to launch one of the most advanced Earth observation constellation of small satellites, they announced a 300 million, 600,000 square foot manufacturing facility on the space coast of Florida. Um, that announcement came last month. It will make them the largest vertically integrated satellite manufacturing facility in the world, capable of producing over 1,000 satellites and space vehicles annually. 
So they plan to enter the SaaS business model and not software as a service, but satellites as a service. So TWNT is the ticker. Shares up 1% right now to 10.01. That was the SPAC deal announced this morning. That's what I've got for headlines. I know that was a, a lot to get to there again with the last two days off from the show. Uh, uh, what do you think, Mitch? All right. I should be back and not sounding, sounding good. Sounding good. Uh, at least at least it, it seems like everything's back. I did the restart. We're good. We're ready to go. I'm super excited. I've been seeing a lot of these SPACs moving. It's not only Lucid. Um, a lot of these have been moving. And there's there's a lot there going towards that 11 and $12. And when you think about it, from underneath 10 that's a pretty good return, right? I mean, 20, 30% on just about any investment is not going to be a bad investment. Um, what are you seeing out there, Spencer? No, no, I, us? I'm just joined just to say that, Mitch, you, you sound a little bit weird, but I'm here for it. I still sound weird? Yeah, you're he sound, good He Lord. sounded good on my end, but... Really? Yeah. All right. In the ch- still sounds like Darth, Darth uh, Vader. Okay, so maybe it's... I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Mitch's mic today. That's I just wanted to come in and tell you that, Mitch. Like you said, like I'm here for it. It doesn't sound bad, but I guess a three hundred dollars setup doesn't want to work. Maybe for it's us. just a little <laughs> bit deeper than normal, but I'm 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 okay with it. I'm here for it. I yeah. see what he's rolling with it. I like it. I mean, it, it seems like everything doesn't want to work for me right now because I just got signed out of Google. I, I'm just getting hacked or something. <laughs> All right, All right. Yeah, so um, that. good, show, good show. That uh, Chris, yeah, was a, a lot of of headlines. You jammed it in there because uh, you, you got to get to our, your guest, obviously. So, so nice job, man. Lock, <laughs> Thank lock, you. Lock, Thank lock. you. All right. Hey, well, it looks like I'm gonna leave Chris here. Uh, Chris, if if you want, you can kind of hold it down for a second here. Uh, I got to restart again, trying to fix this audio. I don't know what's going on with my M audio here. Uh, sounding like a little Darth Vader, but hey. I guess that's the Halloween thing there, but uh, it goes with the hair they say out there. Yeah, it must be the uh, Bob the Bob Ross hair today. But yeah, Mitch, I mean, I, I let's get started on the interview. Um, you know, and then we can have you, you know, join back up. So uh, if you that want seems here. smart there. At least, at least, I think my audio for my computer will sound good. Uh, so let's first do this. I wanted to put on a video for us here. So let's let's do that. I'm going to share system audio here. Let's check out a little bit about Aurora first so we can learn a little bit more about it. Then we'll take a deeper look and Chris will nail down this interview for us. Speaking from my own experience, Aurora has the best team of engineers I've had the pleasure to work with. Many of us have prior experience in self-driving and have shipped some of the most advanced automotive systems on the road today. We've also architected high-performance consumer electronics and developed cutting-edge robotic systems. All of that experience really shows with how we work and how we develop our technology. We've collectively created a holistic and integrated approach to building the Aurora driver, and that approach has allowed us to build faster and smarter. This ability to build faster and smarter is what will propel us toward meeting our goal of having autonomous trucks on the road by the end of 2023, with autonomous passenger vehicles falling closely behind by the end of 2024. At Aurora, our hardware is purpose-built to meet the complexities of self-driving. High-precision self-driving software requires carefully crafted hardware to power, synchronize, and ingest the data from dozens of high-bandwidth sensors. This requires a deep understanding of the software architecture and its dependencies, and a close collaboration between experienced hardware designers and software engineers. 
We've built a deeply integrated hardware team that produces high-performing, custom-built products that are designed and tested in-house. Aurora's hardware includes a custom computer and sensor suite that's common across all of our vehicle platforms. This includes trucks, light-duty vans, and passenger cars. With our hardware and software teams working closely together, we recently released an upgrade to our computer, which is powerful and elegant and has five times more processing power and additional redundancy for added safety. Using our first principles approach with our deep industry experience, the team leverages best in industry components that satisfy the Aurora driver needs so that we can focus on those developments that add value to the Aurora driver. A great example of this is within our computer with our proprietary time-sensitive network switch, or TSN for short. The TSN is the backbone of our computer and stitches together all the sensors and peripheral devices into one common hub. The TSN uses an advanced networking chip and a unique combination of high bandwidth automotive physical layers that efficiently move data between our sensors, computer, and vehicle. The TSM provides duplicate data packets, redundant pathways, and synchronizes our sensors down to the microsecond. Aurora's hardware team is uniquely skilled at product development, and our business model allows us to both focus on All right, guys. Yeah, you just saw in that video a very exciting company. We've got Aurora. So Joining us on SPACs Attack today, we have Chris Ermson, the CEO and co-founder of Aurora, that company going public via SPAC merger with reInvent technology partner Y, ticker RTPY. Chris, welcome to SPACs Attack. How are you doing today? Doing great. How about you? Doing great. Uh, you know, it's always nice to meet a fellow Chris out there. So this will be a fun interview, right? Chris interviewing Chris. Uh, but works for me. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we've got so much to talk about. You know, this is a very exciting company. I think a lot of our viewers are familiar with this company out here. But before we dive into Aurora, just wondering if you can give viewers a little bit of history about yourself and your experience in the self-driving space. I believe that you once worked for Google. So we'd love to hear more about your history. Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking. So um, I've been working in this space since about 2003. Back then, I was at Carnegie Mellon. I <clears throat> was part of the team, or as the technical director for the team that competed in the DARPA Urban and Grand Challenges. These were these robot races the Defense Department put together. So we, the first two years, we had a giant Humvees uh, racing across the desert. The third year, we had a Chevy Tahoe uh, driving around an airbase. Uh, and so we ended up winning the the Urban Challenge, which was the last of those events. Uh, then in 2009, Google asked me to come out and kick off what was then a you know super secret project with the self-driving car program. Um, I helped build that with with an amazing group of people from you know the six of us who started it to and when I left we had 600 something people and you know it's now Waymo and off doing whatever Waymo's out there doing. Um, then in 2016, I, I ended up leaving, um, spent some time figuring out what to do next, and realized there was an opportunity to uh, to build something special in the space. And that's what we've been doing with Aurora for the last almost five years now. Awesome. Yeah. So turning to Aurora, you know, one of the first questions we always like to ask here on SPACs Attack, since we ask all things, you know, SPACs, DSPAC, is why the decision to bring Aurora public via SPAC? And was a traditional IPO also considered by your company? Yeah, for us, it was a, a 51 kind of 49 decision to go SPAC versus IPO. Um, and you know, for us, uh, 
we wanted to make sure that the the when we entered the public markets, we did that with something that looked like a high quality IPO. And so our first conversations were with uh, the long term growth investors. So uh, that would come into the pipe. Uh, and we use that as a process to figure out what's the right market price. Right. And, and so we engaged with the T. Rowe and Bailey and MSIM and, uh, you know, the capitals and came to uh, a price that we felt was was fair for the market. And then we went and looked at, you know, the the numerous inbound SPACs we had that talked to us and looked at the list of what was available and, and cut that down to, you know, a handful that we went and go went and met with. And then we ended up going with RTPY. And we did that because we believed that we could align the long term incentives that, um, you know, that there's a there, there's some of these SPACs that are out there where it feels like it's kind of a flip it and get rich quick kind of model. And what we wanted was a, a company where they understood this was a long-term build. This was something that was going to create, uh, you know, if we if we execute well, it's going to create an immense amount of shareholder value. And so let's set up for that. And so that's what we found with the the model of kind of venture capital at scale that the reInvent team has. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, you hit on two key points there that I wanted to dive into. So up for some of the investors, right? That's something we always talk about here on the show. Um, you know, so uh, you mentioned, you know, Bailey Gifford, um, we've got uh, T. Rowe Price, Fidelity, and then reInvent, of course, with Mark Pincus and Reed Hoffman. Yeah. And then we also have investments from Amazon, Uber, Volvo, and others. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, what this means in terms of validation for your company yeah. to have these big names involved with the long-term story? Well, that, that was it, right? We wanted to help, like, we, we're building a company to be here for the next century, Right. And uh, and so we wanted to make sure we had the right capital partners along the journey with us. So as I think about, like, you know, who do you who, who are really good, high quality, long term uh, tech growth investors? And, you know, uh, Bailey Gifford, uh, if you look at their track record, it's awesome. Right. Um, uh, MSIM uh, is awesome. Uh, T. Rowe, uh, Fidelity. Right. These are folks who want, you know, they do the deep work they're able to commit the capital and hold it there for, for extended periods of time. And so those are the kind of anchor tenants we want. But then you, you're probably aware at the beginning of this year, we acquired Uber self-driving car business. Uh, and so that's now part of Aurora. And Uber could have, you know, could have uh, partnered, uh, could have continued to invest in it, could have uh, sold that business to anyone. And the fact that this is a team that had, you know, a tremendous technical understanding of the problem space as a real long-term business need for this technology. And they bet on us, right? That that was an incredibly fantastic validation for us. And then similarly, um, if you look at our automotive partners, uh, Toyota, uh, Volvo Trucks, and Packard, which is the Peterbilt, DAF, and Kenworth brands uh, of trucks, right? These are, these are incredible companies, right? That again, could have partnered with anyone, could have invested in anyone, and they've chose to invest with us. Think about Packard. This is a company that's been profitable for know, 82 years, right? The management team there is incredibly capable, incredibly thoughtful. Uh, and they're making a bet that, that Aurora is, is the company they want to work with in the, the AV space. So we're, you know, proud of that for sure. Awesome. Yeah. And then the other big point, you know, in, in the investment side of things was uh, a key point from the presentation talking about a four year lockup for some of the investors. You mentioned, yeah. you know, the long term plan. Uh, that's not something we see too often in SPAC deals, right? We usually see a six month lockup or maybe a yep. 12 month lockup. Talk to us about the, the four year, right? Why is that so important for the long term success of a company like Aurora? 
Yeah, well, we, we think of it as about aligning incentives. And so the way that the, this deal was structured was for our, our partners at reInvent, um, there's both, uh, there's a lockup and a vesting. And so for them, uh, the vesting is uh, basically, it's price-based. So if the stock performs well, then they vest into their promote. Uh, and so they get a quarter of it on, I think, on the deal closing. Uh, and this is in the S4, so please, you know, go refer to that document. Uh, but then uh, another quarter of it at when we uh, achieve $15 a share, another quarter at uh, $17.50, and then another quarter at uh, $20. Right. And so that means that if the stock reforms, they're going to get paid, which they should. Right. If they're doing, you know, if they're creating value in the world and if it doesn't, then they won't. Uh, and then the the um, investment is further locked up. So even if we you know, we shoot to twenty dollars and stay there you know, tomorrow, uh, then, you know, they're they're locked up for four years where it rolls off at twenty five percent per year. And again, this is trying to signal to the market like, look, this is not a, a short term flip at bet. This is a. We're going to grow and create value here. We did the similar thing for our, uh, you know, the majority of our, our significant investors, including existing investors in Aurora, including myself or other founders and many of the, the big folks in here, where we're going to we're locked up for the next four years as well. And we're going to, uh, you know, uh, that'll roll off uh, basically 25 percent per year. And again, we want to make sure that, you know, this the, there's um, a number of really high quality specs. And then there's a number that, you know, maybe are, are less high quality. And we wanted to help signal like, like, look, we're we're in this to go win and to, to play for the long term. Definitely love, love that approach here. Um, so let's dive into the business. Right. So Aurora, we've got, you know, self-driving, autonomous driving. Those that's terms that we hear a lot about. So we have a nine point four trillion dollar global trucking market. So tell us about Aurora and how you will be addressing the trucking market moving forward. Yeah. So for us, uh, freight is going to be the first market we enter. Uh, and we look at the, the U.S. market where that's about a $700 billion market today. Um, they, uh, the, the big challenges to that market, one, is a massive driver shortage. And we're all hearing about the logistics challenges we're facing in the U.S. There's a variety of elements that contribute to that. Uh, but, but a big one is we just don't have enough drivers. Uh, we're 60,000 short today, and we're going to be 160,000 short by the end of the decade. What we can do with the Aurora driver is we can deliver a safe driving capability that works shoulder to shoulder with the people that are driving trucks, um, can do so uh, in a way where it's not limited by the hours of service that a human driver is, so it can operate this, you know, this expensive asset much more. Uh, and you can get places quicker because instead of being limited to driving 10 hours, you can drive 20 hours. Uh, and so you can cover twice as much uh, ground. And then on top of that, uh, because you don't have to kind of trade off between the cost of human time versus fuel, we can actually operate the trucks at 65 miles an hour relative, you know, versus 75. And that change from 65 to 75 results in about a 25% savings uh, in the amount of fuel you use. And that's great for the environment, of course, and it's good for the bottom line. So that creates a lot of value for, for our partners. Our model is to deliver the Aurora driver uh, as a service. So think of it like a software as a service type business. So we don't want to own trucks. We don't want to go in and compete with our customers. We want to actually go in and focus on the thing we can do best, which is delivering the driver and enabling our partners to grow and scale their businesses. Yeah, perfect. Uh, that was one of the things I mentioned in the headlines, right? We hear about software as a service a lot, right? The SaaS business model. 
Uh, Aurora will be using a driver as a service model. Can you just expand a little bit on that? What does that mean, you know, yeah. in terms of the financial outlook for Aurora using this business model? Yeah. So, so as we think about the model, if you're a customer that is buying trucks, what you'll do is you'll go to a, uh, you know, you know, go to Peterbilt and you say, I'd like to buy a five seven nine with the Aurora driver uh, in uh, on it. Uh, you'll buy the truck from from Peterbilt, and then you'll pay Aurora an ongoing uh, you know revenue stream. And we'll if out of that, we'll effectively cover um, you know some of the insurance. We'll cover the um, offboard data services, the depreciation of the hardware, obviously the ongoing development of the driver. They'll get a driving a driver cap or a driver enabled truck that goes out and builds their business. As we think about this this model. Um, you know, as we kind of get into the outer years, rough justice, we think that, you know, a truck will drive something like 270,000 miles a year and will generate something like 50 cents a, a mile of revenue in that range. Uh, and so that means we're going to generate something like uh, $135,000 per truck is our, our estimate today. Uh, and there's a lot of trucks out there. And because we, we're not Owning that asset, we're we're leaning into our partners who know how to operate those business effectively. This turns into a really nice, um, high margin revenue stream business for us. We we expect. Perfect. And then you know you mentioned a uh, uh, fleet being up first, um, or freight, excuse me, freight being up first. Um, but going forward, you know, there's also talks of you know the ride hail market, right? You have the Uber partnership and the investment. Um, yeah. What does it look like going forward? Uh, additional markets for Aurora in terms of self-driving beyond freight. For sure. So, so we start with freight, and then uh, we anticipate entering the the ride-hailing market uh, from there. And we're going to be doing that a little bit differently. So instead of trying to build a replacement to Uber or a replacement to Lyft, we're going to layer our vehicles in or feather our vehicles into uh, the Uber network. And this has a couple of really powerful properties. So first. Um, we'll be able to deliver a product that's very similar to the truck driving product, one that'll start just off the freeway. Imagine an airport, drives onto the freeway, takes you down the freeway, drops you off at your hotel or drops you off at the business district you're traveling to and, and then returns you. And it turns out that, you know, that looks a lot like, uh, you know, a truck leaving a terminal, getting onto the freeway, getting off the freeway, dropping off at a terminal. We'll be able to do that because... We don't have to serve all of the trips in a market. If you're trying to replace Uber and you want someone to actually use your app, you need to service all of the trips. Otherwise, people are like, "Wow, oh, this is confusing. It's too complicated. I need to, you know, I have to think about which trip I want uh, on which app." The other really interesting thing about this is most of the the competitors in the space are really focused on the low speed driving capability. And it turns out, if you look across Uber markets, a significant chunk of the trips actually require high-speed driving. And so we'll be kind of coming into that market from uh, from the high end. And then because of the special relationship we have with Uber, we have access to, uh, you know, their their data about the kind of the how people move in a city on a city block by city block, kind of time of day, uh, you know, hour by hour kind of model. And this is really interesting because what it means is as we've got our first product in the market, we can have a near perfect crystal ball that says, if I add this capability, I'm going to unlock this many points of the of, of the available market. And so we can calculate and understand what the ROI will be on each feature in a way that, you know, companies would, would kind of kill for. Uh, and so that'll allow us to build out that side of the business uh, really efficiently. And as we add those features to the car, 
because it's the same software and hardware that's in the car, that's in the truck, as the car gets better, that'll transfer back to the truck. And then the truck will be able to go more places uh, and kind of get to more granular destinations going not just from terminal to terminal, but perhaps uh, depot to local store over time. Awesome. Uh, you know, you, you hit a little bit on the, the timeline there for freight. Um, I know there's a slide in the presentation that shows a, a map of the U.S., right? And it kind of talks about, you know, which areas will get added first. Can you just share with us a little bit, you know, the, yeah. the timeline for Aurora here? What key events should investors be looking forward to hearing more from Aurora on? Sure. So we're looking to, to we're working to launch our product in freight in late 23. That'll be in Texas is our expectation. Uh, why Texas? Because one, it's the, the largest network or the largest kind of state for freight in the U.S. Uh, second is the weather is, is good. Um, and, and third, uh, that the regulatory regime there is, is quite favorable. And frankly, in 45 of the 50 United States, uh, if we had a truck we had confidence in the safety of, we could bring it to market today. But the, you know, particularly in Texas, they've been very pro automated vehicle technology. So we're excited for that. We'll then expect that to expand across the, the Southern freight network, the Southern freight routes, and then ultimately build up and, uh, into the, into the broader, uh, United States. Perfect. You know, when we talk self-driving, uh, a term that gets thrown out a lot is LIDAR, right? So Aurora has in-house LIDAR technology. Um, can you talk a little bit about LIDAR and why it's important for Aurora to be doing this in-house rather yeah. than using, uh, you know, a competitor out there? Yeah. So when we, so first, we're not really in competition with the LIDAR companies, right? Uh, our, our business is to bring self-driving technology to market. Uh, do that safely, quickly, and broadly. And so if somebody has a LiDAR that is more capable, that, that kind of meets our need, we're going to be using that in a heartbeat, right? Like we're, we're not a LiDAR company. We're a self-driving technology company. That said, um, we just for, for the application that we're trying to solve, we think we have a, a very differentiated strategic advantage here. So our LiDAR, uh, most LiDAR works by sending this super bright pulse of light out into the world, comes back, and you kind of measure when you see something brighter uh, bright enough that you call that a measurement. The challenge with that is, one, you can only get so bright before you start damaging people's eyes. Uh, and so there's a limit to how much power you can put out. Uh, and then the second is there's a lot of other bright stuff out there. So the sun, uh, you know, halogen headlights, other LIDAR. And so you get some, some noise from that. For Aurora's LIDAR, first light, What's neat about it is it uses a different measurement mode. It's called frequency modulated continuous wave. And the way you can think about this is we send this wave out into the world, the wave comes back, and then we interfere the outbound and inbound wave. Uh, and that allows us then to kind of basically look for the phase difference between the two. And that means that we can estimate the, the distance from that. What's neat about this is that mixing of the outbound and inbound wave uh, means that we get uh, a 10 to 20 fold uh, amplification. So that means we get more signal with the same amount of power. That means we can see further. Uh, and then we, um, because we can, uh, because we're looking for a very particular wave or frequency or uh, waveform, we can basically discard all the stuff that doesn't do that. So the sun isn't oscillating in this particular way. And so we don't get blinded by that. We don't get blinded by uh, halogen headlights. And then finally, with this measurement technique, we can actually measure the Doppler shift. So this is the way that, you know, if a siren from an ambulance goes by and you kind of hear that change in pitch, you can tell which way it's going. Well, we can see that in, in the light that we're using to, to measure the world. And so that means we don't just get where things are, but we get how fast they're moving. 
And this means that we can react more quickly, more safely and drive better because of it. Love that. I mean, definitely safety, a big key here with self-driving. So always love those comments. I, I want to turn a little bit to partnerships. We've already hit on some of these, um, but, you know, so uh, Packar, Volvo and Toyota. So those truck OEM partners collectively represent over 50% of the U.S. market, and that's two of the top three truck OEMs. So can you talk a little bit about what these partnerships uh, mean? Is there any, you know, definitive agreements in terms of units or potential revenue um, down the road? Yeah, so so as we've built Aurora, again, given our focus on building the self-driving technology and working in, in partnership, it's been, um, let's make sure we go partner with the best. And if you look at the, the set of partners we have, uh, you know, Toyota, world's number one car manufacturer, Uber, world's number one ride hailing platform, FedEx, uh, largest carrier in the U.S. by tractors and trailers, and then Packar and Volvo, which again, like you said, two of the top three, something like 48% of the U.S. truck market. So amazing partners. Um, with each of them, they're investing you know, tens of millions of dollars. Well, with the OEM partners, they're investing tens of millions of dollars to build vehicles that are compatible with the Aurora driver that we'll then be able to bring to market. So, um, you know, and with each of them, it's it's a relationship where we're helping to find the requirements for these vehicles. They're generating or building the vehicles and in, working on the engineering work behind them. What's important to understand is that the Aurora driver is basically platform agnostic so that it can work on things from light passenger vehicles all the way through big tractor trailers. Um, and it has an interface that we define that allows them to talk to those vehicles. So we can we can work and we have, I think we've integrated eight different types of vehicles. Um, but that doesn't mean we get away without working with the OE, right? The, the manufacturer, because they understand the vehicle. They have to make changes to the vehicle so that it can be compatible, so that it can operate safely in the world. And so that's really, um, you know, it's just exciting to see. And like I said, these are companies that are, are invested tens of millions of dollars to make vehicles that work with us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, bring in some big names, uh, you know, on the table here. Um, I want to turn a little bit to, to competition, right? We've heard a lot about autonomous and self-driving and Aurora, you know, certainly isn't the only company entering or that's been active in that space, right? So what are some of the key competitive advantages? You already hit on some, but just highlight some of the key competitive advantages for Aurora over some of the rivals out there. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's just awesome companies out there. We're excited. This is an important space. And, and frankly, it's gigantic, uh, a gigantic space. And just to put it in, you know, kind of scale uh, in 95, uh, when kind of Google started advertising, advertising was what a $185 billion space. And, you know, Google and Facebook are like what $3 trillion of market cap between them today, 25 years later. Uh, the existing market, which is, and I, I'm thinking of just ride hailing, local goods delivery and freight is five times bigger, right? It's an 800 and something billion dollar market. And so, you know, the opportunity here is profound and we expect there to be, um, you know, a, a number of winners, uh, you know, a small number of winners. Um, what do we, what do we see as advantages for Aurora? We see one, um, the experience our team has. So, you know, I, been doing this quite a while, helped found and, and build Waymo for many years. Uh, Sterling Anderson, our other co-founder, uh, launched Model X and Autopilot for Tesla. Uh, Drew Bagnell, our third co-founder, 
one of the top handful of people in machine learning and robotics on the planet, helped found Uber's self-driving car business. So really deeply experienced co-founders that understand the space. And then we've put around us this incredible, built, attracted this incredible group of people. Um, you know, Nat Buse, who leads safety for us, uh, for seven years was a department of transportation, uh, held their AV portfolio at NHTSA, right? So understands how the regulators think about this. How do we engage with them? How do we help make sure that we're, you know, behaving in a responsible way so we can deliver our product? Um, our uh, CISO was Google CISO. Uh, so excited to have Gerhard with us. Um, you know, Dave Madej, who leads business development for us, uh, you know, led corporate development for Mary Berra at, uh, at General Motors. So really amazing cast of characters. And then we've got about, um, you know, uh, around 1600 people at the company today with that deep experience. So that experience means we're focusing on the technologies that will actually scale as opposed to the technologies that kind of end up in demoware. And so that I think is an advantage. The partnerships we talked about, I just objectively, I can't see um, a better set of partners to have if you're working in this space. And, and I don't think our, our competitors can, can match up there. Um, when I think about the um, go-to-market path, the way we've architected the system intentionally, the path to enter with trucking and then follow with ride-hailing and not seed either of those markets allows us to tap into you know, kind of the $2 trillion space, which is uh, mobility and transportation in the U.S., and then ultimately much larger space globally. So I think that that go-to-market strategy is one that's difficult for some of our competitors to play in, um, either because of technological limitations or because of business models. So if you're a cruise, you know, doing cool things, um, but General Motors doesn't make big tractor trailers. Uh, and so you're just not going to play there. And so there's just a whole chunk of the market. And so that that the fact that we're an independent company means that we can go and kind of steer our destiny in a way that's, you know, that that delivers on our mission and will create value for our shareholders. Perfect. Uh, Chris, I want to ask about uh, M&A opportunities, right? So you made the acquisition, um, you know, with Uber earlier. You, you talked about, you know, a lot of players in self-driving space, right? So is there room for consolidation within autonomous driving or is there some vertical, um, you know, that maybe Aurora would look at down the road for M&A opportunities? Yeah, so we we've been really uh, pretty fortunate with the M and A we've we've executed so far, and you know, it's, I think there's a lot of intention behind it. So, I think we've now made five acquisitions. So we, uh, our first one was a small company called Seventy Labs, where we brought in a you know a great person uh, who's been at the heart of what we've been doing in simulation, which is one of the really interested differentiated technologies we're building here. Um, we acquired Blackmore, which is the heart of uh, analytics, which is the heart of our FMCW LiDAR, our first light LiDAR, which, again, I think is a huge differentiator for us. Uh, we, of course, acquired Uber's business and in, in this space and amazing people, great technology, amazing partnership that came along with that with Uber. Uh, we acquired a company called Hours Technologies, which was an integrated photonics company. So these are folks that basically take discrete optical components and put them in a chip, much like you take discrete electronic components and put them in a chip. So that's uh, you know the path to scalability and reliability for what we're doing with First Light. And then actually just yesterday, uh, we announced the acquisition of Color Space, uh, which is a, a group of ex-Pixar folks, um, again, to, uh, to, to accelerate that. So yes, we, we think that that's, you know, 
we don't have a monopoly on awesome people. So finding you know great people out there, bringing them in, aligning to our mission is something you know we'll continue to do. We do expect consolidation to continue to happen in the space. It's something that you know we knew was going to happen when we founded the company, right? Like any industry, you have a thousand flowers blooming. There's a lot of great people making progress, but most of them don't get there. And so we want to be that place that people want to come and continue the mission. Uh, and it's one of the advantages of becoming a public company is we'll have a better currency to go and make those acquisitions and continue to to build in the way we we uh, expect will mean be meaningful for us. Perfect. Well, Chris, before we let you go, um, got some questions from the chat here. It's something we always like to do on SPACs Attack, right? Our loyal viewers, your potential investors out there. Um, we just got a good one from a longtime viewer, Carl, here asking, how about other machines like farm equipment? Is there any uh, you know, interest in farm equipment, maybe construction and mining equipment down the road for self-driving from Aurora? Certainly an interesting space. Um, in general, they're much smaller markets uh, than um, uh, than the car space and the, the trucking space uh, or the light vehicle space and the trucking space. It's one of the things. So um, we have folks that used to work with John Deere on their automation. We have folks that used to work with Caterpillar. And, you know, today Caterpillar has haul trucks that drive themselves in mines. And, you know, I helped kick that progress program off with Caterpillar back when I was at Carnegie Mellon. And then a bunch of the folks that are now at Aurora kind of carried that through to uh, to productization. So it's an interesting space. It's certainly a place where we could see long term some applications of what we're doing, but we're going to be focused on getting our, our core products to market. And then, you know, as we uh, as we have success and thus have the permission to go and expand into places, we'll definitely go and do that. We got a comment earlier, um, and this is one I've heard about self-driving before, right? A uh, comment here from Hearst Scrambler saying, self-driving is great until the roads are bad in winter. You, you mentioned starting in Texas, you know, a fair weather state there. What do you say to to some of the, the naysayers out there, right, who maybe yeah. don't see self-driving ever working in, in states that have, you know, winter storms and other, you know, big weather patterns like that? Yeah. So, so I take responsibility for this meme. So I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe eight years ago, I was, you know, doing an interview and somebody said something about weather. And I said, you know, look, this is a really hard problem. We're going to focus on making it work in good weather first, because it's a lot of the U S where it is, and then we'll get to bad weather. And, and, you know, and the answer, it's just like any other product. You, you have a set of features and capabilities you're going to deliver first because that unlocks value and then you expand them. Uh, as we design the Aurora driver, we're designing the sensor suite to be able to operate through different environmental conditions. This is why we don't just use cameras or just use radars or just use LIDAR. We use the combination of them so that we have complementary uh, data and complementary failure modes. Um, weather is work, but it's not that big a deal, particularly when you think about you know, the, the opportunities for safety here. So I talk about, say, driving through fog, right? And a lot of people do what I call faith-based driving. So they, they look out the windshield, they don't see a car, and so they're comfortable driving 70 miles an hour. And, and that's how you end up with, you know, 100-car pileup on the freeway in Texas. And the way the Aurora driver will handle that is it'll understand I can only see so far, uh, thus I'm going to operate at a lower speed, so that I actually can operate within my safety safety parameters. And so I think it ultimately ends up with a, a better, safer uh, driver on the road. Perfect. Uh, I think that's going to do it for, for questions here. 
Um, Chris, before I, I let you go, uh, we have a merger vote coming up soon. Remind everyone the, the merger vote date and what that new ticker will be for Aurora. Yeah, so I think our vote is uh, uh, announced on Tuesday. Um, uh, assuming that goes positively, we would have uh, close of the deal on uh, Wednesday and, and listing on Thursday. Uh, and the new ticker will be AUR. So we're really excited about that and, uh, you know, excited to be out in the public markets and, uh, you know, being able to create value for our shareholders. So thank you. Awesome. Well, joining us on SPACs Attack, guys, Chris Ermson, the CEO and co-founder of Aurora Company, going public via SPAC merger, reInvent Technology Partner Y, current ticker RTPY. But as you heard Chris just say, next week, hopefully, AUR, the new ticker. Chris, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and joining us. We look forward to following the company's progress. Thanks for having me, Chris. That was fun. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks again. And, and guys out there, you know, another exciting interview, right? Autonomous driving, self-driving. It's it's a topic we talk about a lot, um, you know, within the vehicle space. And, and Mitch, I mean, this is an exciting company. And talk about some big investors, some big partners that they've brought along the way. You heard Chris say about competition, right? I, and I, I would agree with him, right? I don't think there's another self-driving company out there that can say that they have you know, these bigger names for, for partners out there. So uh, this this is a big one. What do you think, Mitch? Oh, we got Bob Ross back in the house here. Going to have to paint my way down the street because it looks like Chris is getting after it. I One thing that definitely interested me, and I don't know if I'm, I'm sounding a little deep still, but uh, one thing that definitely interested me was that the approach of let's not be a manufacturer. We don't need to make the vehicles. We just need to get the technology right. And if there's one thing that you have heard from me, Chris, has been what? Autonomous before the real EV yes, adoption. exactly. It needs to happen. The consumer needs a vehicle that can push them over the edge, right? Because a lot of us are going to be battling this decision next year. Do I go EV or do I stick with my combustible engine, right? And, and one thing that can get you over that hurdle is the convenience factor of an autonomous vehicle. Let's just be honest. Once we get that, I, I sign me up. I'll, I'll sit in the back. I'll sit down and just kind of watch. I just took a 13-hour drive to Austin. What would I have done? I would have put it in. You could have slapped. That, 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 you could that. have slapped Mitch on the way to Formula One. I hit the enter. And I could have been, I could have been watching the race if I wanted to. <laughs> someday, someday you down know? the road, we'll, we'll be able to do that, okay. right? And Aurora is one of those companies that that is going to help do this, right? I mean, we all want to get there. I think, right? When we're talking about commutes, I mean, the driver shortage for semis, right? I mean, and safety, right? You heard Chris talk about safety being a key priority. I love that. Also loved Chris's honesty about weather, right? You know, that was a fair comment in the chat, right? Yeah. It's something people always bring up. And when you hear self-driving, you know, you see them start in other states first. And then, you know, the goal is to expand to those states like like Michigan here, right? We have snow. But, but Mitch, I got to say, I've seen human drivers drive in the snow and uh, some of them aren't very good. So uh, that's something to think <laughs> about, too. So uh, but uh, hopefully hey. everyone out there enjoyed this interview, guys. Remember to smash the like. 
and subscribe if you already are not a member of Benzinga's YouTube subscribers. Mitch, what do you think? Should we uh, should we turn to the watch list here and take a look on this uh, fine Friday at what's moving? Hey, you, you know, one thing that we can do is always check out our watch list. We'll go ahead and check it out. And what is leading a stock I gave yesterday on at the close and have been talking about it, looking for the reversal. Chris, QS. Yeah, I put QS on my list, right? Because I wanted you to talk about it because, Mitch, this has been one that you've been all over over the past couple of weeks. And this was one that fell out of favor. I mean, remember, this was a $100 stock last year, right? It was one of the hottest SPACs out there. But the technology is a couple of years away. Well, what happened? They reported earnings this week. And by earnings, I mean, really, their financial report, right? Because there isn't earnings yet. But they said enough to get investors excited again, I think, right? And then you see that turn into the chart where now we see some volume, we see some momentum, and we see people believing in the long-term story. Hey, well, one thing that I definitely been looking for is what's going to be the next move, right? What can be the next jump up? And it, one of the things that I was looking for was the underlining assets behind EV, battery, autonomous, charging stations those are the ones that i think move first qs starting to get moving here i even talked about it on live trading today before the open i told carl out there we carl and i were talking last night about qs i don't know if he was able to get it this morning i'm sure he'll be mentioning right now like hey well uh looks like i missed out on that one <laughs> but that's just how it is right and one of the things with these chris you gotta you gotta invest it's not more of a trade. It's an investment. And taking a shot in QS looks like it's not a bad move right now. Has a huge gap up to fill if it gets in this area. Uh, Lucid is trying to do the same thing. And we'll see if these can kind of continue moving. Mitch, the other big winner I'm seeing out there we got to highlight is uh, Matterport, right? MTTR. Mm. I'm seeing now up 15%. Yeah. Looks like we have a headline on Benzinga Pro. Looks like we got a positive. Um, was it an analyst note here? Uh, let me pull up. Uh, Wedbush. Yep. Wedbush setting a $26 price target. Um, so again, guys, if you don't have Benzinga Pro, you're missing out. We had headlines out. We got exclusive comments from the company themselves. We had Matterport on SPACs attack uh, a couple months ago. And again, I got to highlight it here, Mitch. Matterport saying, I like to think that by digitizing the built world, Matterport is creating the metaverse. So if you want a metaverse play, mm. Matterport could be one. And again, Matterport has an existing partnership with Facebook, who is now going all in on the metaverse. I, I think those stories right there, this is definitely one to keep on watch. I mean, it might be a little bit too much of a flyer today, but maybe on a pullback. <laughs> uh, Matterport looking good, Mitch. Yeah, you know, one thing that I did see, and I actually, we we talked about this one, Chris, on live trading, and, and it was clear as day, this little VWAP bounce right here. Nice little VWAP bounce after you got that extension, pulled down right to it, bounced off right off of that. And what did it do? It gave you another shot at VWAP right here. Boom. And then it rocketed off from there. So definitely uh, these, these stocks, when they seem strong and they get that lift, Look for the VWAP indicator to hold to show you that bullish sense. And this one's been doing really good, actually, on the daily. Look at the daily chart. Nice sideways action. This is what you want to see, that sideways action, right? After a big move up, 
you don't want to see it come straight back down. You want to see some sideways action before you get that next boost on up, which actually helps it when it gets that next lift because the consolidation builds and we get the next movement. I know I'm still sounding a little bit off kind of today. Little, I don't know what's going deep. on. I, I did like the comment about uh, Spack's attack with uh, Chris and Barry White was one of the comments we got in the <laughs> chat. Um, whoever put that in there. Uh, Mitch, uh, the Barry White is a, a couple more here. Uh, TDAC, right, is changing to Lottery.com next week. L-T-R-Y. I did see shares dip today. Um, this is one that I would be looking at, right, heading into next week. And I do have a long position in these shares. Um, this is low float, so please be careful with this. But I just think once they get that name changed to lottery.com, and then also when they highlight what they're going to do with sports.com, I just think this is one that's going to get a lot of attention. Um, so if this is not on your watch list, this is one I, I definitely want to draw more attention to here. Well, uh, you see me drawing here. We've talked about these trend lines before, how long this was holding here in this spot. One of the things that I can point out is with this breakout, you've gotten what? The volume to come back in. So important, Chris. Looking like it's looking good, really. TDIC. And then uh, VWE, Vintage Wine, is another one I would draw attention to. Um, yesterday, yeah. There was a mention of an OTC wine stock by someone on CNBC. I don't remember the ticker, but those shares shot up, right? Because it was called essentially like the Netflix of the wine industry. I mean, wine is one of those industries where I think once people pay attention to it, there's not a ton of peer plays and VWE, I think, could get some attention. Um, you know, so this is one to keep on watch as well. Love it. Love it. Looking like it's setting up, looking like you had what? One attempt to break down, two attempt to break down, three attempt to break down. Then right after it, the next day, what did it do? It wicked, showed you a reversal candle right here. That candle is so important. Now that you have that reversal, I would hold to that low. And you can give yourself a shot for it to come back up towards the resistance. Major resistance is up here uh, towards 1128, 1130s. That's where I could see it filling on up. We'll see if this one can keep moving. And then Mitch, RKLB Rocket Lab is another one I would draw attention to. Um, so going forward, they have a flight window opening on November 11th. They also have a flight uh, later November 27th. And then they also have earnings on November 15th. Um, they'll be launching some black sky imagery satellites, so keep an eye on BKSY2. But Rocket Lab, two launches and earnings in the month of November, Mitch. I mean, we, we've seen these space stocks before, right? Virgin Galactic and others. Flight Windows is a big catalyst, so pay attention to RKLB uh, in November here. Hey, like you said, back-to-back -back launches, why not keep it on watch, right? We'll definitely, definitely keep that on watch. Um, coming up next, guys, we're going to be getting into the Power Hour. What is going to be on Power Hour, Chris? Yeah, so BWMX, Betterware de Mexico, they reported third quarter earnings today. And this is a company I've talked to before here on SPACs Attack. They're joining on Power Hour, and they're going to talk about those earnings. And as I said, you know, revenue was up 4% year over year. But they've got an exciting plan ahead, how they're going to grow their market share in Mexico from 20% to 40% over the next five years. Um, so I will be tuning into that. So BWMX. Mitch, before we go, I, I just want to say that next week, the, some of the stocks I'm watching, 
Uh, RTPY, who we, of course, interviewed today, Aurora, they have their merger vote on the second, and also SWBK, their merger with Bird. And then we also get earnings next week, Mitch, from two big names, right? Nicola, N-K-L-A, will be reporting earnings on November 4th. Um, that's always one that, that moves on Catalyst, right? So good or bad. And then also MP Materials on November 4th. Uh, Mitch, I'm very excited for MP to hear their rebuttal, right, to that short report. And then also to hear their earnings, right? I mean, that's one of the big things we've been saying about this company. Real revenue, growth. Um, what, what do you think of MP next week and some of these other companies? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to look out for. Um, one that I'm also looking out for that should be having earnings in early November. I believe it's November 7th, but I'll have Chris confirm that is body. Um, so there's a lot of them on the list that are coming up. And one of the things that we've been waiting for, Chris, is right, is I, we always talk about it. Our expectations being met. Looks like that's November 15, Mitch, November 15 body. But that's a that's a good call out, right? That mixed fitness bike, we get to hear how successful it really was. That That's a big catalyst there. I'll definitely be watching it. Uh, full disclosure, I did take some body, so I have been taking a little bit. Reason why, I have heard that those sales could be potentially good. So we'll see what happens out of that body earnings and out of all these earnings because it's important. Do they Are they meeting expectations is the biggest thing that investors are going to pay attention to. Definitely. Because with forward-looking statements, what do we want to find out? is that it wasn't really so much forward looking. It was more, yes, this is what we were going to get. It was get. real, you know right? I mean? It was real. All along, real. it was real. Not a, not a paper dream there. So uh, nice call out, Mitch right. Body. Um, so we'll be back on Monday and, and we'll try to lay out November, right? Uh, Monday is November 1st. So we'll be going over our November calendar and, and talk about those votes and some of those earnings dates to watch. So an exciting show coming up. But guys, as I said, Power Hour coming up next. Better Wear to Mexico, BWMX. You don't want to miss that one. Um, so as always, stay tuned and smash that like, and we will see everyone next week. All right, guys. As I wrap up here, you guys are probably wondering, why do you look like you look, Mitch? What are you doing? I mean, don't why? they say that all the time, Mitch? Why do you? Well, that's that's true, right? <laughs> but, but we won't get into that, Chris. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's all about the Bob Ross today. And why is it about the Bob Ross? Because it's about you guys out there. We are doing a special giveaway just for you guys out there. So I want to get you guys a part of this giveaway. It's only for Benzinga Pro users. So I will let you know if you're not a Benzinga Pro user, sorry, you're SOL. If you don't know what that is, ask for your friend to let you know what SOL means. But definitely, definitely, guys, go ahead and click that link. Sign up to be a Benzinga Pro user. If you haven't done so before, we'll get you that two-week free trial that will give you a chance to win $1,000 in cash. Guys, you have a chance to win $1,000 this weekend only if you're a Benzinga Pro user. So definitely sign on up, guys. Check it out. And Bob Ross, Ross Boston. Rob Ross Boston, I like it. Can't go wrong. Guys, check out this video, and we'll see you on the Power yeah, Hour. Hey, Zinger Nation. Happy Halloween. We thought we'd celebrate with a $1,000 giveaway. 
Yes, I said it. $1,000 in cash giveaway. All you gotta do is be a Benzinga Pro user to enter. And if you're not, I have a loophole for you. Sign up for a free trial, no credit card needed. Of course, follow Benzinga, hit the retweet, comment below for a bonus entry. You can put your favorite costume or gift idea. Of course, include the pets if you got them. And we'll see you at the Zinger Nation Halloween special.